1: What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Star podcast. I'm your host Connor Livesey, joined by my co-host tonight, Joey Ikes. Uh, we are here. We are in week one of the regular season. Uh, we are 34 days away from game day. One day away from uh, the start of the regular season. Week one, Detroit uh, to Chiefs playing up coming up here uh, in about 24 hours. Um, so we are here. We made it. We got through. The draft we got through the offseason got through all the preseason and we are to the regular season really excited to dive into uh to the regular season talk some actual football um real quick kind of give you guys a rundown on what these shows are going to look like so these shows are going to come out on Wednesday like they have been um and we we're talking about a little bit this week you know we, we're in a unique situation we can kind of talk about the game that just happened and the game that's about to happen because we're kind of smack dab in the middle of the week. So this week we're really going to talk about some of these injuries that, that have cropped up here recently and we've been hearing about and then we're going to get into some matchups. But uh, going forward, we'll be talking uh, some all 22 of the the game that happened the week before, talking about what we saw on that, uh, talking about some of the injuries and in, 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 uh the injury report, the depth chart, the way that's kind of fluctuating and changing. And then we'll get into the the matchups coming up this week. Um, so we just want to kind of give you guys a breakdown on what this show is going to look like going forward. Um, before we get started this week, obviously we don't have a game to talk about that happened last week. But we're going to talk about some of these injuries and get into some some matchups and some players to watch for in week one before we get started. Joey, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm excited.
0: <laughs> We've made it to the regular season. We are past all of the roster construction stuff. Which is you know fun and exciting, but you know now we play football, and now all of the stuff that we've spent the last nine months talking about and analyzing and dissecting, it all comes to fruition in just a few days, and it's going to be awesome to watch this team that is it, really freaking good or has a chance to be really freaking good um, play out what could hopefully be a, a pretty special season.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird. You see all these people and some of the mainstream media and other folks, you know. And again, like for the for the longest time, like I thought this team was was you know playoff contending, but you know you never really felt like they were a lock to make the playoffs and compete in the playoffs. But it's so weird because a lot of people have them out of the playoffs and not making the playoffs and having these bad records, and I just I can't understand it. Like I said, this is the best roster this team's had in a long time. It's the deepest it's been in a long time. Like something drastic or dramatic would have to happen for this team not to to make the playoffs and, and I think compete in the playoffs this year. And obviously anything can happen any any given Sunday as the saying goes. But um, as you said and as we've talked about a lot on the show, man, this roster is just really good. And we have high expectations and high hopes for this season. So we're excited to dive into it and get started this week uh, as the boys head down to – to the Meadowlands in New York, and, and they'll face the Giants in week one of the season. Um, before we get to some matchups and some players to watch and some of that stuff, uh, let's go ahead and briefly touch on uh, Terrence Steele, signed an extension since the last time we've been on, a, a five-year extension. Uh, pretty big money for Terrence Steele. Like I said, I think you you look at it and it's, um, you know, it's relatively fair money for where he's at. I think it makes him the ha- eighth-highest paid right tackle in the NFL, um, so nothing too crazy, no market-setting deal. Um, but pretty decent money and something that, you know, I want to get your thoughts on it. But I kind of thought they'd probably wait and see and how he comes back and plays on that after tearing that ACL. Um So maybe a little rich for my blood. I think if he didn't get hurt, perfectly fine with it. But I, I'm kind of surprised they elected to to give him that money um, on that on that long term deal without seeing him seeing how he does coming off that ACL injury.
0: Yeah, so. You know, I, I, I get in the weeds on this contract stuff quite a bit because it's one of the things that I enjoy. Kind of ties a little bit into my, you know, quote-unquote real job, right? Um, I think it's beautiful. I I think, you know, I've been talking for a long time about how this team needs to do a better job of getting ahead of these contracts <clears throat> and how you are always better off, always signing a guy a year early than waiting an extra year to find out because you're not going to save that you're not going to spend that much more especially a Terrence Steele situation you would have wound up on a tag with Terrence Steele next year he's a a, a, was a restricted free agent this year he's an unrestricted free agent next year he would have wound up having to play on a franchise tag which would have put him in that stratosphere of players that He probably doesn't belong in, to be honest, Um, but a tag there would have put him up there. So you sign him early, and the way the contract is structured, now this is going to sound crazy. If if something terrible happens and the Cowboys say, our team is better without Terrence Steele on it than with Terrence Steele on it, not saying it will happen. They could post-June 1 cut Terrence Steele – next year and the cap hit would basically be flat to what it is with him on the team and so it's really a two-year contract with some we'll see about it years at the end most of these contracts are three-year contracts this one's really a two-year deal and it's because you did it a year early it's really a it's a Two year deal with four extra years added onto it. So it really becomes a six year contract for the player with basically a series of four or five team options as you go at various cost levels. And if you decide, and if you need to go to Terrence Steele's contract next year to get money, you go to it, you do the restructure, you don't have to add void years onto the back end of it yet to do the full five-year proration on a second-year restructure, which this team loves to do. So you got it for less than market value, which if you would have waited a full year, next year it would have been locked in at that, val- at that higher level because of the tag. And you were able to get six years instead of five because it's an extension, and this year's number stays exactly the same because they moved some money around. And it's just a beautiful – it's a beautiful deal. And somebody pointed out – I can't remember who it was on Twitter. I will never call it that other name. It's Twitter. (laughs) uh, That the Cowboys made all these analytics hires over the course of the offseason. And since they made those hires, they've now signed three guys to contracts, to new contracts a year before they're up. All at various levels of the market, right? Like Trevon Diggs is, you know, one of the best corners in the league. He got paid like it. You know, Terrence Steele, a little bit low, mar- a little bit below market value of the top right tackles. Malik Hooker, sort of right there in that mid level, middle class free agent type contract. And they did those all a year early, which is very un Cowboys like, extremely un Cowboys like to do this many deals during a training camp period of time. I think it's beautiful. I think it's awesome. It's the right way to do this stuff, and it's really cool for them to take that step this year. And maybe, maybe hiring folks from the Ravens or from whoever else the you know the Devil Rays and, and all that other kind of stuff helps with that. Um, but, but whatever it is that's causing them to behave in this way, it's beautiful because now, unless somebody super unexpected who has a contract up next year has a huge year this year you're not in a position to have to use the franchise tag next year, which the franchise tag to, like, use it and actually have the guy play on it is, like, a pretty terrible thing, like, from a contract standpoint and a cash standpoint and all that. And they, they've used it almost every year, and now they don't have to next year. And it's a uh, it's a pretty awesome place to be.
1: Yeah, no, and I mean, like, I, I don't really disagree with anything you said. I mean, I think Terrence Steele from uh, – honestly, from a – you know, just play on the field standpoint's been really good, you know, especially when you account this just, just price tag the last few years and then the draft value and all that. I mean it's hard to beat it. Um my like I said, my only concern is that, you know, that that position and we saw it, you know, maybe with Michael Gallup, you know, just just and then again like I think there's a difference there because I think Steele's work ethic and the amount that, that everybody says that he puts into his job and his profession and the way he carries himself and the way he goes about at work, you know, it makes you feel better about maybe him bouncing back and, and um, not having any sort of real rust after the ACL. But that was the only only little bit of a concern I had. It's just like, man, it's not like it's too much money. It's not like you paid him market-setting money. It's just, okay, you know, we, we – and, and I guess my other thing is too is like, steele has been good. Don't get me wrong. He's been really good, but like, it's always been, he's been on that development track. Like you never got to the point where you're like, all right, he's finally there. Like he's that dude. Like it was always like, okay, yeah. Like the run blocking stuff's great. He seems to be improving as a pass blocker. Um, but there's always been like, I don't even know if you'd call them questions, but like little concerns you had with the way he played, whether that was in pass protection or, or penalties or whatever that is. Um, so hey, you add up all of that. And again, like maybe it's just me being a little bit scared of what happened with some of these injury guys recently. But I just went, hey, hey wouldn't it wouldn't, it doesn't kill me now. Like I, I think, like you said, like all the stuff, when you take into all the contacts, you go, yeah, you know, hey, it's it was probably worth the risk, but it, the other side of me, too, you know, I'm kind of like, yeah, I might not have hated to see him play the first five, six, seven weeks of the season and then went to the table with this offer because then you had a better idea of how he's coming off the, that knee injury.
0: Yeah, and I think the uh, I think the thing about it is, parents, is the best thing for this team is for Terrence Steele to be their right tackle for the next two to three years minimum, right? Like they're not going to go out and find an upgrade from Terrence Steele at right tackle without spending significant resources on it. And there are some positions coming up in the next couple of years that they're going to have to spend those significant resources on, in terms of, you know, the edge rusher depth is going to deplete quite a bit coming up after the next year they're going to have to figure out either the left tackle or the interior offensive line situation this year this this coming off season they're going to have to you know figure out some of those positions like that defensive tackle is going to continue to be a spot they're going to have to add guys to um not having to worry about that right tackle spot for the next two or three years at less than the highest rate on the market like that's okay with me because I can move cash around, move cap money around to the point where it doesn't hurt me or anything from a team-building standpoint. But it means I don't have to spend a first-round pick on a right tackle or spend two third-round picks on right tackles the next two years trying to find one. I've got one. I know what he is. I know what he isn't. And I can I can live with that, and I can play with that. Clearly, they've been one of the best offenses in the NFL for the last couple of years with him playing right tackle. So they can clearly have a good offense with him at right tackle, so they basically locked that in and they can move on to building the rest of their team for the next few years.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's talk about let's We can kind of get into our, what these shows are going to look like now. So obviously I'm sure everybody's heard by now that Tyler Smith suffered a hamstring strain in practice yesterday status up in the air for week one in New York. Um, obviously not something you want to hear. We've talked about, we've talked about how, you know, we've been a little concerned with this offensive line depth, but also that that's just the case for pretty much every NFL team in the league. Um, I think Jerry said on the radio today is the one area of this team that they don't feel really, really confident in is the offensive line depth. And I think he said uh, me and the 31 other owners and, and general managers feel the same exact way. Cause no one feels great about their offensive line depth. Um, you just kind of honestly, you, you know, you, you kind of didn't expect the injury situation to come to, I hate to say this, knock on wood, either one of your, your, your guards. I think you kind of almost assume that Zach Martin's going to be healthy and ready to play 17 games. And you assume that, you know, just because he's young and did it really well at a high level last year, that Tyler Smith's going to do the same thing. So to get hit with that injury blow on the offensive line and it be somebody you really didn't expect it to be, I think that's kind of a, the big, I guess, concern from Cowboys fans and probably that front office right now. Um, So, I mean, obviously, we haven't been told that he's out on Sunday. It's tough to imagine he's going to play, and it's tough to imagine they'd probably play him this early in the year um, with it being a hamstring strain. Um, So I guess the question now is where do you go from here? Um, We talked a lot about Chuma Dogo this offseason. We talked a lot about T.J. Bass this offseason. Seam Richard has got some time at left guard. Um, So they have some options available, but let's kind of break it down and talk about where we think they'll go and where we think they should go. Uh, left guard Tyler Smith is unavailable on Sunday.
0: Oh, see, I think he's going to play. Oh, you think so? Uh, I think there's like a ninety something wow. percent chance he plays. Like really? we're talking about a we're talking about a hamstring for a guy that goes backwards seventy times a game. Like if if there's an injury that an offensive lineman can play through, it should be a hamstring. This is I a completely this is a completely I different situation than a wide receiver or a corner or somebody like that that has got to start and stop going forward a bunch of times Um, but I I just I think he's going to play I think he's a whatever 22 23 year old kid who is going to recover real quick I bet he practices on Friday and he plays on Sunday that would be that would be my guess now that's a pure you know speculation type guess I don't know anything but that that's my assumption is that he's going to play
1: Everything you said I agree with is from, you know, hey, if it's an injury to an offensive line that you can deal with is probably that. My only concern is week one, New York, humid, hot. Do you worry about, you know, further damaging anything just because the, the hamstring's, you know, not into to regular season form yet? I mean, that's that's my only real like you said, like, it doesn't seem like it's a major injury. Gilkin reported that it wasn't anything too crazy. Um, I think Todd Archer came up today and said that it was just kind of a mild hamstring strain. Um, so that was my only – my only real issue with it is it being this early in the year and that it's going to be a hot, humid, already worried about some cramping going on maybe. Is it Does that further damage anything? But um, – so you think he's going to play. Let's talk about the options if he does not. Yeah. Um, and, and let me ask you this do you think he would need you think he would need to practice on Friday to play or do you think he could sit out this
0: whole week and not play I'm sure he could but I'm sure they would want to get him out there and get him through some you know get him through some work just to see how it responds because not only how it responds to the work but how it responds to the recovery from the work when he comes in Saturday and gets ready to get on the plane um I think I think they would want him to work even if it's Maybe it's just work with Britt on the courts Thursday and Friday, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm feeling good." He doesn't need to get the physical work. He took a ton of reps in camp. You know, didn't miss any time there. You know, has gotten plenty of work next to Tyler Biotish, Gotten plenty of work with Tyron Smith at this point. Um, maybe they put him on the courts with Britt Brown for two days, and he just and then he's ready to go. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think he probably, I think he probably would need to practice Friday but I don't think it would need to be in a full capacity at all. I bet he could be some sort of limit, some version of limited and still be able to play. But if he, if he doesn't, you know, we talked about Chuma Adoga. We haven't seen him much at guard, but that, that has been sort of the conversation a lot. We've seen awesome Richards be a left side player, both guard and tackle. I think he's an option. I don't think he's a bad option at all, to be honest with you. And then there's the option of TJ Bass that, you know, as an, Uh, has played on the left side most of his career, took a ton of reps at guard in camp and came out playing really, really well and probably pushed a guy like Matt Farniok who spot started some games at guard when the Cowboys needed him, um, pushed him off the roster. I, I mean, I think they got three, they have three options that are as good as just about any NFL team in the league has in terms of backup offensive linemen.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, we've talked about that last season, but it's not like we're sitting on here bragging about how elite our offensive line depth is. I think you're just feeling like, yeah, base, you know, where everybody else in the league is, you're probably in a similar spot, if not a little bit better. Um, So, yeah, definitely on the same page there. I'm just curious, like I said, like going back to it, like if Adoga was healthy, I feel like he would be the, the slide in, put the veteran in a left guard. Hopefully, that you know, he can handle a week or so, you know, maybe two at most till Tyler Smith's back. But I'm curious just with him being out and how well and how highly they talked to T.J. Bass, if they would give him that opportunity. Um, and, again, the bad thing about this injury and situation is, is week one you got Dexter Lawrence, you got Leonard Williams, then you got Quentin Williams a week after. And it's just you, you got some dudes to, that you're going to have to deal with on that
0: interior um, that, that are going to be t- tough to deal with for sure. Yeah, definitely. It, it definitely is a hit for this part of the schedule if you can't play, because it's the same reason why I never believed that they were going to get, that they were going to push the Zach Martin thing all the way to the year. They were never going to go into week one against Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, and then into week two against Quentin Williams without Zach Martin. And so you hate to see it happen to Tyler going into week one. Um, hopefully, like, Hopefully, I'm right and he's able to play. If I'm not and he can't play, I'm sure they'll figure it out. It's a heck of a lot easier to have one question mark spot on an offensive line than it is to have two or three or four. um And so, you know, we'll see how it plays out for sure, but it's definitely, definitely something to watch.
1: Yeah, no doubt. um All right. So let's dive into a couple of these matchups that we're looking forward to seeing. uh I'll go ahead and start it off and we kind of just hinted at it there, but. Whoever is going to be at left guard, whether that's Tyler Smith, whether that's um, Chuma Adogo, whether that's TJ Bass against Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, the interior of that Giants defensive line, which is one of the biggest strengths on that roster. It's just how can they hold up? Are they able to run it at that 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 side, at the left side? I mean, we have, we've seen Tyron Smith struggle a little bit as a run blocker here the last few years. Um He's obviously going to have his his hands pretty full too this week. So um, that that's probably my biggest, um, I guess, matchup that I'm interested in seeing how it plans out is whoever's at left guard, whether that is Tyler Smith or one of the other guys we just mentioned that could could spot start for him if they need him to um, against that interior that defensive line because that can be a that can be a big thing in this game is if if Dexter Lawrence is lined up over T.J. Bass for sixty minutes or. Leonard Williams is lined over up one of those guys. Even with Tyler Smith, that's still going to be a really tough matchup. And that can cause this offense um, some issues and running game, passing game, everything. Those guys can rush the passer. They can play the run. Um, so that can be a big difference maker in this in this week one matchup is the Giants defensive interior defensive line against whoever gets that start at left guard. That's gonna be one that I'm paying a lot of close attention to and seeing how the Cowboys are able to handle that. And I think that's one of the biggest things that that this front office and the Joneses, they want this coaching staff. And I think they want this offense coordinator, Mike McCarthy. They want to be able to get through games like this. If you don't have all 11 starters, they want, we saw that way too often with, with, you know, whether you want to blame Kellen Moore or not, that when an injury happened, things seemed to bog down pretty, pretty heavy, whether it was the quarterback, whether it was one of the receivers, whether it was one of the offense alignment, it just seemed like the struggle bus would happen um, if an injury or two cropped up. And I think that's something the Joneses are, are really wanting to see, is this offense be able to still find its feel and still find some success, even though they might not have all starting 11 guys there. So they might get tasked with trying to do that in week one, which I'm sure they didn't want to have to do, but it might be something they uh they get thrown to the fire in pretty quick.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that there has been a an incremental step forward from You know the prior regime to the Mike McCarthy regime in terms of resilience for that kind of stuff. You know we've seen them shuffle the offensive line like crazy due to injury the last few years, and still be able to have a really successful offense that scores a lot of points and win a lot of games. (laughs) We've seen them deal with wide receiver injuries and all that other kind of stuff, quarterback injuries last year. For me, all the matchups in this game are at the line of scrimmage because. I think if you look at most of the other areas of the field, you know, I think the Cowboys clearly have the better quarterback. I think the Cowboys clearly have the advantage in both pass catcher secondary matchups, both their pass catchers against the Giants secondary and the Giants pass catchers against the Cowboys secondary. I think they hold a pretty clear advantage there. You know, running back doesn't matter. It's probably a wash. Maybe Saquon's a little better than Tony Pollard, but it's not that big of a difference in the context of the – that's not going to make the difference in the game. It really comes down to, can the Cowboys block the guys you're talking about? Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, you know, Aziz O'Dellari, Avaon Thibodeau, Thibodeau, all all, all these guys. Can can they block those guys? And then can the Cowboys – you know, what does Evan Neal look like in year two at right tackle? If he takes the same jump that Andrew Thomas took, in year two, then that's a really stinking solid tackle duo. And then you're going to have to depend on your interior to get pressure. Does Osa become what we think and hope he can become this year in, in terms of really elevating his game? Does Mozzie Smith find a way to make an impact? Does, you know, does Chauncey Golson or DeMarcus Lawrence move an insider? How do these guys, are, are they able to get pressure, stop the run, all those kinds of things against the Giants front? And can they block the Giants front on when the Cowboys have the ball? Can they block the Giants front and be able to you know, sustain offense, create big plays? Because there will be big plays to be made in the secondary against this team. There just will be – it's a Wink-Martindale defense. They're going to play a crap load of man coverage, and there's some not very good cornerbacks in the secondary. There's going to be guys open. And if they can protect it, they're going to score a lot of points, and they're going to win the game if they can protect it. If not, then it's going to be a, it's going to be a close game and it's going to be a slog because they do have some really good players on the front.
1: This isn't really a player for player matchup, but it's just something that we've seen for quite some time now. The Dallas defense stopping a mobile quarterback, a guy who's going to probably going to run a lot of read option Dan Jones is going to probably try to run quite a bit and something they've had some struggles with in the past is just limiting the damage that that mobile guy can do and, stopping him on, on runs and stopping him on reads and pulls and stuff like that. So, you know, week one, these starters haven't played much on defense if at all this preseason. So I can see them coming out, pinning their ears back, playing like their hair's on fire. And while that's obviously everything we want to see and do, it's also can kind of bite you in the ass. If you come out and you, you're playing a little bit too aggressive, um, so I mean, I'm sure they're obviously working on the, the 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 reoption stuff that the Giants are gonna do and you know, preparing for Daniel Jones to be scrambling, trying to get that get outside the pocket and, and use his legs to make plays. But I could see this defense maybe needing a quarter of two to really settle itself down and, and play a little bit more assignment sound football because that's something they've just struggled with for for a while now is is playing those guys that that are mobile inside and outside
0: the pocket. Yeah, and I think there is a there will be that period of time where there will be a couple of third down, third and sixes, right? Where Dallas plays a ton of man coverage. It's basically man and cover two is what they play at this point. And they will they will be in man coverage. It'll be a third down. They'll send a pressure. Daniel Jones will escape and he'll go convert. He'll go run for eight, ten yards and convert and everybody will be, like, all oh, really down on everything and will not be, you know, they will feel like the defense is struggling. And it's just a matter of being able to settle in, getting – staying in your rush lanes. You know, all, there, there's a, a whole ton of coaching points that you can give to keep guys from being able to beat you like that. But, yes, it's a, it's a massive key to this game because their offense is going to try to beat you with Daniel Jones on the move.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, that's probably going to be – I don't the Giants didn't play their starters as much as preseason either, if if at all. Um which I mean again, I'm I, I don't I don't know if we've actually talked about this, but I always agree not to play the starters in the preseason. I do like the, you know, scheduled practices and stuff like that with other teams because I feel like it gives you the preseason action without the risk of really preseason injuries. Um but you know, I do I do think from a Cowboys fan and viewer perspective, like they might come out and play great to start, but like I do think there's some of that too, which not really a matchup, but just preparing for maybe a little bit of a slow start for them to knock some rust off and really get their feet wet and get the feel for the game again. Cause for a lot of these starters, they haven't really played a actual football game in since San Francisco last year.
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, this is kind of the approach that, you know, that Bill Belichick started taking before a lot of people, where he treated September like the preseason. And that he figured, you know, we can find our way through September at two and two. And if we can do that, then we'll win all the, we'll win way more of the rest of our games than we will, than most teams will if we can just be 500 coming out of September, we're good. And so he figured he could do that without his starters playing in the preseason. And, you know, you just, it's one thing if a guy gets hurt in week one, right? Like Dak Prescott got hurt in week one last year, had to miss four or five games, five, six games, whatever it was. Right. Like that it's one thing for that to happen in a game that matters on a, on a play that counts, right? It's a whole nother thing for him to be out there in a game that doesn't count and hit his, finger on somebody's head and have to miss six weeks of the regular season for a play that didn't count. So I'm totally on board with the idea. Don't play any of them. Practice them as little as you have to. Get them the work that they need. Keep them healthy because they got to play football for the next, you know, four and a half or five months. And the season is a grind. You don't need to grind them into the ground in August and then expect them to just hold on for four months. It's, uh, It's too hard to do that.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So that I'm pretty much right there with you. Like I said, it's uh, it's something that I think the fans have got to prepare themselves more than anyone else because they want them to come out fire them, score 45 points a game to start the year. And realistically, like as much as we want them to do that, there's probably going to be some sort of settling in and and get on both sides of the ball. Um, so I mean, I think that's something to think about too. But all right. Um, I don't, you know, we really don't have an injury report yet to talk about as far as a, uh, you know, injuries to look for on both sides. We know the Tyler Smith injury is a, a big one. Um, there seem to be some whispers that Donovan Wilson might be going to try to give it a go this week too. So that's another one that we haven't really talked about. But other than that, I mean, it sounds like outside of a potential Donovan Wilson, maybe not quite being ready, but sounds pretty optimistic for him and Tyler Smith. Sounds like the Cowboys are going to be pretty healthy going into this game and same for the Giants, so it should be a pretty good matchup. So let's go ahead and give our score predictions for week one and then uh, we will get out of here. I'll let you start it out.
0: All right. Um, I think the Cowboys win. I don't think it's going to be all that close. Like I said earlier, I think the Cowboys have a significant advantage at the skill positions on offense and defense. I think the Cowboys have a significant advantage of their defensive line against at least 3 if not 4 of the Giants offensive linemen. And I think even, you know, I think even Micah Parsons against Andrew Thomas is probably the advantage Micah <coughs> maybe a, a maybe a wash, but the good thing about that is you don't have to put Micah over Andrew Thomas every snap. Um I think the Cowboys pending the Tyler Smith thing, I think the Cowboys have at least enough to slow down the front for the Giants. And I think Dak is just too much better than Daniel Jones, and really that's what makes a difference. And um I think the Cowboys probably win twenty seven to seventeen or something like that. I can't believe we
1: started this, the first show of the season and you stole my, my score prediction to start.
0: Did I really I just made I've <laughs> kind of made it up as I was going along. I didn't have anything written down. 2017
1: yeah, was like. the exact score I was gonna say. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah no I, I, I literally think this is the exact thing like you said I think uh I think it might be a slow start like I could see I could see you know uh you know 10 to 10 game at halftime or something like that but really you know the they settle in at halftime come out and you know score 17 unanswered points until the Giants score a touchdown late in the game you know as things are winding down um so that's kind of what I think like I said I, I think the offense might start off a little slow it just really nerves knocking the rust off I think the defense might you know, give up an explosive play or two to start and whether that's a run or a quarterback run or something like that. Um, I think this team will need a, a quarter or two to really settle itself down. They got a lot of young dudes playing, um, you know, and, and they got the veterans too. That's the, the great thing about this team is it's a good mix of young and, you know, veteran players. And I think the veterans will step in and, you know, really, really calm everybody down and, and get them straight and get in line. And then they'll they'll really notch it up in the second half and, and score some points and stop really shut the giants down. So I, I think a 27, 17 wins, that's what I got going on as well. And like I said, I think it'll start off slow, slow first half, but I think they'll get going in the second half and, and really kind of push their hand onto the giants. uh as things start to slow down for them and they get their feet wet a little bit. So same score prediction for me and Joey, um, the only thing we really disagreed on today is that you think Tyler Smith's going to play, and I'm a little bit hesitant to think so. So we'll have to pay a little bit closer attention to that as the entry reports come out this week. Um, like I said, man, we are we – are, by the time this show comes out, we'll be about 24 hours away from the first game of the regular season, and then we'll just be a couple days away from the Cowboys week one kickoff. So anything else you want to add before we get out? Here?
0: No, I, I think your point about the, the slow start – is a really good one that people need to, you know, pay solid attention to is that there's a really legitimate chance that this game is like seven to three Giants at the end of one and like 14-10 Giants at the end of the first half. And then it's the Cowboys just outscore them in the second half like 17 to 3, and that's how you get to your 27-17. Like uh this team one of my core beliefs is that you know, over the course of a 60 minute football game, talent wins. And I think that the talent advantage is, you know, way too significant for the Cowboys. Um, and that a- as you get further into this game, it will become more and more and more evident how much of an advantage the Cowboys had, have in that roster.
1: Yeah, no doubt. All right, man. Well, next time we're on, we'll have an idea if the Cowboys are 0-1 or 1-0 and we'll be going from there. Like I said, hopefully everybody stays healthy and, Makes it through week one with no bumps or bruises and anything major. Uh, We'll be back next week, next Wednesday, um, to recap week one and get you ready for week two. So we'll see you then. Thank everybody so much for listening. Make sure you're following us both on Twitter at ConnorNFLDraft, and yours is just at Joey Ikes. You want to spell that down for everybody? Yep, it's J-O-E-Y-I-C-K-E-S. All right, so make sure you're giving us all a follow. Make sure you're following Blogging the Boys on Twitter as well. Make sure you're supporting all the other shows as well, too. A lot of shows going on right now. A lot of good content coming out on those. So, uh, reading, listening, however you prefer to do it, make sure you're doing that all over at the Voice. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. We'll talk in the start.